everyone. Welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller. And today we are going to talk about a fun, furry friendly topic. We're going to talk about the human animal bond and the health benefits of owning pets. So whether you have a dog, a cat, a horse, a guinea pig, I don't know, whatever it is, or your clients do. This month, I'm really especially focusing in on all the unique ways that we can contribute to our health inside and out, all the emotional, physical, and social benefits. And I think that I would be remiss if I were to miss the whole topic on talking about pets. And so if you don't have an animal, maybe this will inspire you to get one, or at least will help you to connect with your clients who do. So my special guest today is Tracy Barton Barrett. She is a licensed clinical mental health counselor. She is also a published author, and she deals a lot with clients who own pets and pet ownership and has deep dived into all of the research. So Tracy, I'm going to bring you in and have you introduce yourself. Good morning. My name is Tracy Barton Barrett, and as Angie shared, I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor in the state of North Carolina. Um, I help people deal with issues of um, career changes, anxiety, depression, uh, but I also have a specialty in companion animal or pet loss. I'm also a speaker, and now I'm a published author of two novels that focus on the human-animal bond, buried deep in our hearts and finding her spirit. And I'm thrilled to be here today to talk about the connection between animals and people. All right. Fantastic. So Tracy, it's so good to meet you. So I know you've done a lot. You've been an educator. I know you taught psychology, I believe. And you, like you said, you've also published some books. You also work with clients. And I love that you specialize in kind of that human animal bond and working with clients who have companion animals. So I think that, like I mentioned at the beginning, I've really been trying to kind of deep dive into different ways that we can contribute to our health inside and out, because it is January. And a lot of people are looking at those health goals and ways to be healthier. And sometimes it's those unique ways like, gosh, what can pets do to contribute to our health? And I know for me personally, we got our puppy during the pandemic. We are, we don't have our girls at home anymore. And I was like, hey, we should get a dog because we're home 24 seven. And actually it turned out to be like one of the best things we've ever done. And Lucky for all the puppies out there in the world and all the kitties, most of us are still working from home two years later, so they don't have to have that anxiety that we were so afraid of, of, you know, what's going to happen someday when we leave the house? Because guess what? We still don't really leave the house. <laughs> so I know Bodie and Louie are very excited. All right. So, um, so Tracy, my first question for you is, I know that you and I talked about a lot of different ways that animals can contribute to good health. And I know that as fitness professionals, the biggest thing we all want to know is what can animals do for us as far as our physical fitness goes? So can you kind of tell us some physical health benefits of animal ownership? Absolutely. Um, and they're numerous. And now we have research to support a lot of this too, which is really exciting but we know that it helps with cardiovascular disease. We know that it lowers blood pressure. We know that um, spending time outdoors helps. And we also know um, there was a 20 year study of people who owned animals or owned cats. And they found that they did a, follow, a 20 year follow-up study. And they found that there was a lower risk of death from cardiovascular issues with those who had cats versus those that didn't have any animals at all. And that was including a stroke and heart attack as well. 
Um, and I'm gonna throw in a few little true and false questions. So I actually have my first true and false question here right now. So you can answer Angie and then those who are listening or watching can answer in their heads as we go along. Oh, a quiz. Woo a quiz, right. yes. You did. Okay. It's the educator in me. You know, you can take the girl <laughs> out of the school, but you can't take the school out of the girl. Um, so the first true and false question is uh, for physical, when you're petting an animal, the chemical reaction that occurs in you is also mirrored in the animal. True or false? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to go with true. Yes. Very good. Very good. Right. So this is this is part of the symbiotic relationship we actually have with animals. So there are physical things that happen when we're um, petting an animal. So it decreases cortisol, which is the stress hormone and increases oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone in both the person and the animal. So this okay. is exciting uh, research that we find that we're even seeing physical reactions and responses to having this connection with our animals. Oh, for sure. And you know, here's the thing, the minute I pet Lewis, Lewis is my big white wildebeest and he is, <laughs> he is like 15 pounds of pure hunk of love. And, uh, he's just got fur everywhere. He just poofs all over the house, big white fur, fur poofs all over the house. But you know, I, I don't know who gets more out of that, but it sounds like we both do. It sounds like the research supports that we are both getting as much out of that love that we share with one another. And, you know, I've always been a cat person all my life. So having a dog in my life now has been amazing because you mentioned the physical health benefits, the lower risk of cardiovascular disease. And I know just getting out there and walking Bodie has been a huge thing. I walk now more than I've ever walked in my whole life. Um, thanks to the boats, right? Thanks to me getting out there and walking them around the neighborhood a million times a day. So yeah, yeah lots of physical health benefits. Did you want to add any more? Or did we kind of cover all those that you were thinking about? Well, a couple more that I was wanted to add too is, as you mentioned, um, walking the dog, literally just being outside. So first of all, we've literally left the house, which is a positive thing. We're literally moving our body, which is always a good thing, um, especially in today's society that's set up for sitting. We could right. sit all day if we wanted to. We know the health benefit or the health um, effects of just sitting all day, the negative health. And then getting fresh air and vitamin D. So even from a just getting ourselves out is good. And then um, we'll discuss the social implications of that later, but um, just the connection of physically moving our body in that way. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, the vitamin D, just getting outside, you know, last yeah. night it was, it was getting late. I was getting tired. I've been working on research and writing this chapter. And I was like, Bodie, we're going for a walk and just yeah. walking outside in the cool, brisk air, even though there wasn't any vitamin D, um, <clears throat> just getting back outside, it was just such a mental reset. And, you know, he had a little more pep in his step too. So I'd like to think that it did as much good for Bodie as it did for me. But yeah, there are, I think that there are so many, like you said, that, that, I, that, um, all those good hormones that you get just from like hugging somebody, you get those same level of hormones, I would think by just hugging your animal, your cat or your dog, right? Exactly. Just that connection. As so long as they're, they're okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We all know, you know, sometimes Louie does not want to be loved. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the social connection, that's one that I really want to deep dive into, too, because um, I know for us, we had lived in our neighborhood uh, probably three 
years, two years by the, before we got Bodie and didn't know almost, almost no neighbors, except for the ones on either side of us. And all of a sudden, because of Bodie, he is like my child. And now I know, I feel like I know everyone in the neighborhood and often I know their dog's names, but not them. So it very much takes me back to when I was raising my kids and it was like, you're Mallory and Isabel's mom. I didn't have a name. <laughs> and so yeah. now I'm, I'm Bodie's mom. But um, tell us about some of those social benefits. Cause I know for me, it's been a huge, huge, uh, been a huge boost for me to feel like I know my neighbors. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, Angie, because one of the things um, that animals are so good at is connecting us with other people. So I think that's a really important thing. Like you said, moving to a neighborhood, um, not it's easy to just stay in our houses and not connect. Um, the other thing too, is when people are working on animal focused organizations or businesses, they'll like a, a horse show or a dog show or a cat show or an adoption um, event, they're working together. So even helping out socially in that regard, animals are kind of the um, social lubricant, so to speak, um, you know, oiling those wheels of connecting us with other people. And because so much of human health, physical health, emotional health is about connection. And animals are so good at uh, connecting us with other people. And I have my other question now, the, another true and false for everybody. All right. So Yay, a quiz. <laughs> you got the quiz coming. So uh, research supports that a person walking a dog tends to look less approachable, true or false? I'd say that's false. That's absolutely false. Unless I'm so, having a moment. I mean, sometimes <laughs> I'm having a moment with Bodie and he wants to go one way and I want to go another and we're having a little bit of a power struggle. I don't look very approachable, but okay. <laughs> to your point, I, I get where you're going with this. Yes. Right. And any, any dog person or animal person knows you at, you, at some point you will have that moment. Yes. So, um, but those moments aside, research supports that um, people who, when they're walking a dog tend to look more approachable. And so um, this can also help if you're in the dating scene, just some dating advice I here for you too. Um, if you wanted, if you're looking for somebody, uh, you will tend to look more approachable if you're walking a dog. So some people have actually <laughs> borrowed a dog from a neighbor to help with that. Yeah. So I, I will leave that in the hands of the adults in the room, but okay. it is just an interesting thing that even having a dog bias when we're taking a walk, can almost literally change how we appear to other people. I love that. I do think that we look more approachable. I do think that, I mean, it would be weird as an adult with no young kids, if I, in a neighborhood to just start walking up and chatting people up. Sometimes it's, it's just a, it's, it's hard to find that opening. And I, I so agree that, you know, my dog is the opening, be it good or bad. Sometimes I am invited into people's space because my dog is misbehaving, but whatever the case, it usually ends up being a really positive connection. Um, Tracy, I have to tell you something. So I think that's kind of funny what you said about the whole dating thing. Um, a couple things come to my mind. My daughter recently pointed out to me that there's a big, um, I guess there are a lot of like, I don't remember what they're called, but they are like dog play thing, dog play areas where you go in and you're able to drink alcohol and socialize. So you bring your puppy in and they go into these, um, 
indoor play places, but they're basically like uh, breweries where, you know, so it's, I mean, I know in Charlotte here, we bring Bodhi to breweries because breweries are very popular here. And so he can sit outside um, at the brewery while we sip our tea. But also, I guess these are indoor places where puppies get to play, but adults also get to interact with one another. So I agree with you. I think that especially during the pandemic, there are a lot of lonely people and marriages and relationships dissolved because of so much together time and other variables and things that have come into our landscape since the pandemic. And so for people who, um, you know, just picking up a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend isn't as easy as maybe having an animal and having that connection, right? Yeah, for sure. And the other thing too, is that even just connecting with people outside, um, outside of the house or the dating scene. Um, years ago, I remember I was standing in line behind someone in the grocery store and I saw her plop a big pile of um, litter on the, on, the, um, on the belt and all these cat food, uh, <laughs> cat food things on, on the belt next to it. And I just leaned over and I said, oh, someone's going to be happy tonight when you get home. Um, and she literally did an about face, turned to me and I heard, everything about this kitty. I mean, I learned how she got the kitty, the age of the kitty, the breed of the kitty. And of course I loved it because I love hearing about people and their animals, but it's also a way that, you know, those of us that love animals, we love to talk about our animals. And for anybody that gives us a little in, we'll be like, well, I'm going to, you know, show you pictures and I'm going to give you the whole history. So it's also a way to connect in that way as well. Yeah, I love that. Tracy, I want to reintroduce you. So I'm talking to Tracy Barton Barrett. She's a licensed clinical mental health counselor in North Carolina. She is also a published author of two books. Um, she works with clients in mental health on all sorts of different concerns, but also she works with uh, clients who have companion animals. And that is one of her deepest passions. So we are going, we are talking about the health and wellness benefits of animal ownership. Whether you own an animal or your clients do, I do think that it is a huge bonus for all of us. And we've been talking about the physical benefits and now we are talking about the social benefits. So I love that story, Tracy, because I cannot tell you how many conversations have been ignited between me and another person about our animals. And um, this summer, my oldest sister, two of my sisters and I went on a vacation and we all went to Glacier and my daughters were with us and I remember showing my sister pictures of my animals on my phone. And she said, wow, we used to share pictures of our kids. And now here you are sharing pictures. I was like, well, you know, they're my kids. So yes, I, I love that. It's such a great conversation starter and it doesn't seem too creepy, right? Like you, right. you don't feel like that creepy person who people are like, why are you talking to me? But if I'm talking to you about your furry friend, I'm I'm not so creepy. That's <laughs> so that's an awesome story. All right. So I have another question for you then. What about, let's, let's talk about those emotional health benefits, because this is where you get my heart all the time is yes, I love the physical benefits and I love the social benefits, but how about those emotional benefits and that, that healthy from the inside out? I know you're going to give me a quiz, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I could. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm actually not going to do on this one. But All right. If we think about, if we think about any person or thing, 
um, what sort of things would we look like look for when we need somebody? We want somebody who's accessible, somebody who's understanding, somebody who's approachable, somebody who will you know keep our confidence, somebody who will love us no matter what. And animals tick all those boxes. And I think that especially, especially during this very difficult time for many people during the pandemic, the issue of isolation and loneliness was very, very real. And even if you're somebody who tends to be more introverted, isolation is very, very different. And so because humans need connection. And so having that connection with the animal, the animal took on even more of a role. Um, and the fact that they reduce loneliness. And again, all the things that I listed. And the other thing about animals too, is that their intentions are pure. Humans are much more complex in terms of intentions and we just have much more complexity to us. But the thing about animals is if they don't like you, we know, <laughs> yeah. but if they do love you, oh, right. I mean, there's yeah. nothing, there's nothing better than an animal that makes a beeline for you. So, you know, if you're just tuning in, I hope you, I hope you rewind these past couple minutes that Tracy just said, because I love everything you just said. I thought that the, that was a really sound point that, you know, what do we look for in human beings? Well, we look for connection. We look for authenticity. We look for somebody who's going to hold our trust and all those things. You're right. Those are all things that animals provide for us. And, uh, and they don't have a hidden agenda. They are who they are, and it's all out there in the open. I think the only agenda animals have is, will you love me and will you feed me? That's right. <laughs> Pretty that's simple. Right. Yeah, that's right. And the other thing, too, is just, you know, because knowing the different psychologies, too. Horse psychology is very different from dog psychology. It's very different from cat psychology. So mm -hmm. sometimes if someone is just one animal person, like they're a dog person that doesn't like cats or horses, it's, that's totally fine. But if someone really does love, just understand that all of them are different. I mean, dogs are predators, horses mm -hmm. are prey animals. And I've always said cats are hybrids. <laughs> like they, yeah. They're good they're views. They have the talons of a predator and the eyes in the front of the head instead of on the, instead of on the sides, um, like a you know predator, but they can be prey. So part of just yeah. understanding that too, the emotional connection with your animals is just understanding their psychology as well. Oh, I, yeah, that's actually a really good point. And, and it's, it's funny because you're right. Some people are very much, very animal specific. They love dogs, but they don't like cats. And I say, you're right. It, it pays to pay attention to what other people appreciate and love in their world. And so, um, I love all sorts of animals. So, but, uh, so again, I just want to reintroduce you. So I'm talking to Tracy Barton Barrett and she is not just an animal lover. She's a licensed clinical mental health counselor. She is an author of two novels and she works with clients who own companion animals and has deep dived into the research on the social and emotional health benefits of animal ownership. And of course, especially the physical benefits, you know, one word that you used earlier that I'm going to have to keep in my, my space now is that social lubricant. That's a great word. Um, it really is because it really is just this, this 
easy way of starting a conversation with someone. There is someone at NASM who works on the inside. I can't say his name, but at the pandemic, I was like, I know what you need. You need a dog. And then I told him all the reasons why I needed a dog so that he could go on and meet that special, special someone. So um, I'm always trying to um, promote that people get animals. Um, and one thing before we move on, I also want to say, Tracy, I don't know if, because you and I didn't really talk about this, but I work in a senior living facility mm -hmm. and anytime somebody brings in an animal, and that was one of my goals for my puppy is to um, have him trained so that he can be an emotional support animal. But man, oh man, do faces light up when a dog walks in. It, yeah, a dog, a, a cat, I mean, any type of, you know, um, quadruped, <laughs> um, <laughs> mammal or, you know, any any type of, of something other than a, a human. And I'm glad you brought that up because, the again, it can be so easy to be isolated in a place like that. And again, there's already a, a strike against them, but the animals, the easy access to our hearts. I, I think the animals operate very similar to music where it almost bypasses our brain and goes straight to our hearts. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at that because you're right, because music stays with us. I mean, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll listen to a song that I heard in high school or that I loved in high school and I'm back, I'm back right there to that awful memory. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm screaming back. <laughs> No, I actually have a lot of good memories, but some of them not so good. So um, anyway, so that's that's a great point. So you had mentioned some statistics on animal ownership and just just for kicks. I'm kind of dying to know here on like how much we spend on our animals every year, because that's one thing I I never I never shy away from. I'm always, I always tell people, you know, before my daughter got a dog recently, I was like, you know, he's going to kill your pocketbook. So make sure you're prepared for that. <laughs> Yeah, especially especially if you own horses. Um, oh my goodness, that, yes. That that'll that's your bankruptcy kit. <laughs> yes. Um, so I have I have a question for you here. Okay. So true and false. Um, the amount spent uh, ev the amount spent on our animals every year in America alone in 2020. This is according to the American Pet Products Association was 97.1 billion dollars. So did true or false, did Americans spend $97.1 billion with a B in 2020? I'm going to go with, yeah. I'm going to go Actually, with, Actually, yeah. no. Really? It's more. It's more. Really? This, this and this is, doesn't include vet bills? This is just like. No, this is vet bills, oh, this grooming, is. Okay, insurance, the whole, the whole package. Yeah. Um, it's, they actually, we actually spent that in uh, 2019. And in 2020, we spent one hundred and three point six billion dollars. <laughs> well, you know what? No wonder we never have any money. So that's 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 what we always laugh about because we're like, okay, we put you know the, the kids are out of college. You'd think we'd be wealthy now, but no. Now we got you know somebody always needs to go to the vet or get groomed or something along those lines. So, um, right. so you know, Tracy, there's one last thing that I want to ask you about, and no one wants to talk about it. In fact, in truth, Tracy will tell you I really didn't want to talk about it. But Tracy convinced me that it does need to be, or it does, it, it probably would warrant bringing up because it is a fact of life. And that is the grief process of when we lose our animals. And I would be, um, I would not be 
be very authentic if I didn't say that one of the things that I thought about before we got a dog was, um, what's the lifespan? Because I've um, had to put many cats to rest. And I know that that is a really difficult thing. And also having put many humans that I love to rest, I was like, hmm, how much do I want to invite into that? So I think there's something you want to say about that, Tracy, because I know you've done a lot with this. Yeah, this is really my, um, this is my connection to the human animal bond. This is really my specialty. And it really is a difficult topic. And I wanted to provide a place where people could come and talk and honor their animals in a special place. It really is a, an interesting and unique thing that we have when we first get an animal, the likelihood is very high that we're going to see the end of their life. And so just providing a place, and that's why I wrote my book, Very Deep in Our Hearts, to really validate that the loss is real. And it's often called a disenfranchised grief, which means that it doesn't get the validity that it needs. And some research now is showing that people, it's harder to lose, um, it's as hard to lose an animal as it is a beloved person. And in some cases, it can be even more difficult. So just validating, normalizing that it is something that we all go through and that there are millions of us out there who have dealt with this because animal people know. If you say I had to put my dog down or I lost my cat or I lost my horse, there's an immediate empathetic connection that you have with somebody else. And there will be people who are not gonna understand and it's important when you're grieving to really protect your heart during that time. But there are millions of people who understand how difficult it can be and to really reach out in those moments. And I'm glad you said it's important to protect your heart because I think we always do have to know who our audience is anytime that we are kind of bleeding on the page or bleeding on the floor in front of people. And I think that I always say that the, the people who can understand the loss of a mom is those who have lost their mom. And so those who are not animal lovers or animal owners, sure, they may not understand, but I think it does. It is warranted that there is research out there that supports that sometimes losing animals can even be even more difficult. And so um, I do appreciate that we touched on this topic as much as I didn't want to. Um, yeah. So, but I know that that is your specialty. And Tracy, you know, I just can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing this because I know that I feel warm and fuzzy inside. I hope that everyone out there does. And whether or not you own an animal, I'm going to guess that that trainers and instructors know at least a friend or two who owns an animal or parents or clients, participants in their classes. And I do think that it is a great way to connect with people. Maybe you have that client or maybe you have that person in your class and you just you don't even know how to reach this person. But I promise you, if they have an animal, one of the best ways to reach them and the safest ways to reach them is to get them to talk about their pet. There are physical, emotional, and social benefits to owning a pet. And so I'm, I'm glad that we got to touch on this topic. And I so appreciate you, Tracy, for doing such a beautiful job and um, waking up my brain with the quiz questions. So oh, you're uh, so welcome. Can I, <laughs> is there enough time for me to say one more thing? Of course. Okay. Um, to your, to your last point, um, I was teaching and anybody who's been a teacher is going to understand this. I had a student in my class. We just weren't seeing eye to eye. Um, there were some behavioral issues. 
She had, um, there were some things going on. I'd given out the demerits, the detentions, gone through all the stages. And one day I took her after class and I said, is there something going on that would be helpful for me to know? And she started tearing up and she started sharing that her dog was dying and she didn't feel like her parents really understood. And so I was able to connect with her on that level. And afterwards, her behavior improved dramatically in class. So to your point, sometimes making that connection um, with somebody, it, it, it can look in so many different ways right. to be open to that. Because that's one of the things that animals do for us is open us up. Right. Super important story. I am really glad that you shared that because you're right. It's, it's being seen when we feel like someone sees us and you were able to see her in a way that she needed to be seen and then invited in her respect, a tremendous amount of respect and a tremendous amount of um, shared empathy. And so, yeah, I'm glad you shared that story. So Tracy Barton Barrett, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to our app and our NASM viewers and listeners. And thanks to all of you out there who just want to know a little bit more about how to be healthy inside and out. I cannot wait to see all of you next week.